From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. And we made it to one of my favorite episodes of the year, the episode where we get to talk about some of the greatest books that came out in the year of our Lord, 2022. So as of this taping on December 15th, I have read 96 books this year. I kind of think I might be able to squeeze at least one more in. And, you know, I mean, I feel pretty good about that number, I got to say. But it was really interesting because... When I asked our guest today, MJ Franklin, to share his number, his answer was really surprising. He actually intentionally tried to read fewer books this year. For me, it's always the intention. Are you reading to enjoy it or are you reading to say you have finished the book? And I have a lot of reading I have to do to say I finished the book. And so if I'm doing my own personal reading on my own free time, I'm trying to make sure I'm reading to enjoy MJ is an editor for the New York Times Book Review. You've probably heard him on Nerdat before. As someone whose job it is to read, I think it's actually really good advice. So it's a lot of like me reading and then also giving myself therapy, being like, MJ, how do you feel about this reading experience? Are you actually taking time? Um, it's a very neurotic, but very enjoyable process. <laughs> I love it. I think the therapy is working, MJ. I just want, you're doing the work and I see it. In perspective. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so when I asked you to come on the show to talk about books, you gave me two different lists. And one was books that have already gotten a lot of praise that you loved a lot. And then books that you think could use a little more time in the sun. And I definitely want to spend more time on those ones. But can you tell us about a couple that you did really like that you think are already on a lot of people's radars? I mean, one is Trust, for example, which is actually our December book club pick. But what else is on there? Yeah, so a few things. In addition to Trust, Either Or, um, the new Aleph Batman novel, which follows Selene, her character from The Idiot, in her second year at Harvard, mm. um, it is so funny. Her sense of humor has not changed, but it's still equally smart, observant. It's just fun being back into Len's head and with Ella Batman's writing. Um, so that was one that's gotten a lot of praise. Mm -hmm. The Furrows by Namwali Serpel is a remarkable, phenomenal book. Um, it's a look at grief. It's a look at family. It's a look at race. It's told with this... Um, really weird, shifting um, narrative style. The book opens with the line, um, I don't want to tell you what happened. I want to tell you how it felt and Oof. the way the narrative morphs. Um, I don't want to give anything away because there mm. are potential spoilers, but also nothing is ever totally clear. So it is kind of hard to spoil at the same time. Wow. Um, but it is a technical marvel in addition to being a thoughtful, human, empathetic look at grief. Mm. Um, and it's been everywhere on all, a bunch of end-of-year lists, and I yeah. think rightfully so. Um, Stay True is a memoir by the writer Wasu, and it is a heartbreaking memoir about a friendship and loss. Um, mm. And so I'm realizing there's two grief novels back-to-back, -back, but I think... <laughs> They're both very different books. Um, <laughs> and Stay True is not a novel, actually. Yeah, um, there you go. Wasu captures um, what this friendship means. He captures what it's like to grow up in Berkeley as a young college student. In addition to being a portrait of a psyche, it's also a portrait of a time. And it is incredible. And then, of course, Trust. Trust is... Uh, probably one of the books I've recommended the most this year. It's so good. Um, you know, um, yeah. as, as you're reading it for the, the book club, but it, wow, what a stylistically um, ambitious book. Yes. And that's another one that I don't want to say too much about. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. What about you? What are some of your favorites? Um, one book that 
I haven't seen on a lot of best of lists, but I thought was fascinating. And speaking of books where like you don't really know what actually happened, Diary of a Void by Emi Yagi. Did you read this one? I haven't. Oh, it was so strange. It was written in Japanese, translated to English. It's one. Of, it's like a very short novel. Um, but essentially, she is like very disillusioned from work and decide she realizes that if she pretends to be pregnant, people will like leave her alone at work. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes so far to like take the multivitamins and go to prenatal yoga. And it's very strange. I'm still not totally sure what happened in it, but it's a very fun, weird read. I think especially for so many of us who are just like completely disillusioned with capitalism these days. That's so funny. And I need Ugh. to add it to my reading list. Yeah, it was so strange. I think another one of my favorites was uh, You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty mm-hmm. by Akwaike Emezi. And it's just... I thought that one was really lovely because it definitely doesn't shy away from looking at themes again around especially grief um, and and isolation. But it's also like a very juicy rom-com and like crazy shit goes down in that book. Like it's so plotty. It just took so many turns that I wasn't expecting, which is also just, you know, like that one I remember distinctly reading on the plane and thinking this is such a pleasure to read. Speaking of, you know, the therapy we're all giving ourselves all the time. (laughs) The other thing about that book is that Akweke has been turning out so many incredible books, all in different genres. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know either, but I'm really excited to read their other stuff because, yeah, it seems like everything is so different. This was the first one of theirs that I read, and I just loved it. Oh, yeah. They have a novel. They have a memoir. They have um, a poetry collection, I believe. It's really impressive, just the range and volume. In just a minute, we'll hear MJ's list. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. So let's talk about some of the books that you think maybe should have been on more people's radars over the year that you really loved. Yes. And so um, we talked earlier about Trust Either or The Furrow, Stay True, all phenomenal books, all deserving all the praise. But there were so many other books that published this year, too, that I want to make sure get their flowers. Um, The first one that I wanted to talk about is a nonfiction title. It is called Everything I Need I Get From You, and it's by Caitlin Tiffany. This book Um, in addition to trust, is probably one of the books I've recommended the most this year because it is so fun. I laughed out loud multiple times while reading it. The premise is that the internet as we know it was actually shaped by the One Direction fandom. (laughs) Um, And Caitlin says... When social media was transforming from a thing that some people opted into and did to a thing that was everywhere, inescapable, um, Mm. ubiquitous, that was around the same time that One Direction was coming up as a band and that the Tumblr fandom (laughs) was growing as, as a force. And that, like, because of that fandom and the rules of that fandom were so dominant on a certain sphere of the internet, as the internet was growing, some of those tropes, some of those things um, just are just everywhere um, from some of the language that we use to how the internet is organized, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Um, 
And so it's incredibly smart. And yet the anchor of this deep dive into digital culture, into internet history, is the One Direction fandom and all of their funny antics that they were up to. Wow, which is like um, teenage girls, to be clear. Yes, yes. Largely. And um, so the, the book opens with the idea of the teenage girl superfan, and it poses the question. We always talk about the teenage girl superfan as this image, but we never ask mm. why, why are they fangirling? Um, and that fangirls are not a new phenomenon. Think back right. to the Beatles and Beatlemania. Think back to Bruce Springsteen. Like, and so she kind of connects the dots there um, and kind of sets the stage to say, I'm going to be talking about fangirls very, very seriously because they're worth consideration. Um, and it feels newly prescient because of everything that's happening with Twitter. People are flocking back to, to Tumblr. People are trying to figure out, like, what's their next internet home? And so I, reckon, I recommended the book a lot uh, when I first read it, and I've been recommending it again. There's a second wave to it. Um, and it is, uh, I, I, cannot, I cannot stress to you how funny it is. It sounds really fun. I mean, teenage girls are often thought of as like, you know, hysterical or whatever. But to actually like seriously take a look at that and their impact, I think that just sounds really cool. And it's a pretty short book. It's a paper bag. It's one that you can put in your backpack. If it's cold and you have a big coat, it slips into your coat pocket. <laughs> and it is like a pocket of joy that also you will leave and you will feel smarter. Uh, uh, and that's a good book in my in, in my book. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love that. Okay, so you also came ready to talk about Checkout 19 by Claire Louise Bennett, which I have to say, I woke up at like five o'clock this morning and couldn't sleep and thought I'll put on an audiobook to help me fall back asleep. And I just listened to the first like, I don't know, I think I fell asleep probably 20 minutes into this one or something. But like, it seems very weird. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me your first impressions? Weird? How so? <laughs> well, it was just, you know, I mean, at the beginning, I assume it becomes maybe slightly more narrative. But the beginning is just like we had one books. We had many books. There was one book. It was one book. The left page, the right page, your eyes go up, your eyes go down. And it was just like, what is happening? <laughs> yep. yep. Um, this is partially why I love it. Um, a narrative <laughs> does kind of emerge, kind of. Okay. Um, so Checkout 19, definitely one of my favorites of the year. It's a coming-of-age story of a young girl in London um, as she leads a literary life. Um, as you mentioned, it's written in this weird, discursive, beautiful, looping, challenging, delightful kind of way. Um, <laughs> it feels, it kind of defies description because it is so weird. Mm. But what I loved about this book is that it tells the story of this girl coming of age through books and around books. And um, stories will repeat, she'll revisit certain episodes, and you get to see how her own life shapes how she reads these books, mm. and then how reading these books shapes how she perceives certain episodes in her life. Wow. And so it's kind of a puzzle in that way. And yet, as a character, she is so weird and charming and observant. Um, the way she thinks about literature and the power of a sentence is beautiful. And I think mm. it's how a lot of like avid readers feel. Um, there's a line in the book that says like, um, just one sentence, sometimes just one sentence is all it takes um, or something like that. That's not an mm. exact quote. I'm trying my best. Um, <laughs> but um, that's how we all feel. Mm. And it's one that I read 
probably at the start of the year. And I've just thought about for the entire, entire year. Wow. Okay. I will check it out. I think I might try it in print. I think it might be slightly less alienating. (laughs) Please let me know what you find because I read it in print and loved it, but I found it challenging. Other people at the book review read it and then also listened to it. And they thought that the narration was phenomenal. Claire Louise Bennett narrates it herself. It has this conversational flair and flow to it, they said. And so a lot of people love the audiobook. Okay. I loved reading the physical book. And so please let me know what you, what you think when you listen to and or read it. I will. Um, you brought a YA title too. It's called The Honeys? Yes. Um, this book is The Honeys by Ryan LaSala. Um, just in general, I'm just going to do a shout out for YA. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of phenomenal work being done in the YA space. Um, and I just wanted to get more praise. Um, the Honeys is one of my favorite from the year. Um, it is a YA queer horror novel that I like oh, to cool. think of as those B TikToks meets the Heathers meets like queer theory. It's so wow. good. <laughs> um, the book follows a kid, Mars, um, and they're gender queer. And the book opens with their sister coming back from camp kind of having like this like mental break it seems and trying Mm. to kill Mars there's this big fight the sister dies Mm. Mars in their grief goes back to the camp to figure out what happens wow what happened to get their sister there so that's the start of the book and then it gets to this camp the summer camp where spoiler alert not a spoiler you learn this very early on nothing's quite right um there are these these past tensions um, that Mara's facing, but then also there is this group of girls. They're called the Honeys. They live in a cabin kind of off the campus of oh this my camp, God. and they just do their own thing. Amazing. And I don't want to say too, too much because you do get swept up into the thriller. Uh-huh. But things escalate tremendously with Mara's and the Honeys. The thing that I love the most about it is that it is not a typical coming-of-age story of here's a genderqueer kid trying to figure out how Mm. they feel about themselves. They know how they feel about themselves. They're very confident in themselves. They're very assured in themselves. Rather, it's this genderqueer kid trying to solve a mystery. It's this sweeping, engrossing mystery that's also such a thoughtful look at, uh, at queerness, at sexuality at gender identity etc wow it's it's ya but i think it's definitely ya crossover so adult readers would love it as well younger readers could appreciate it too um and it's one that i've thought about quite a lot this year that sounds amazing and super fun and also intense i'm making this connection now um (laughs) these books that i'm recommending um are books that are so smart but also so fun Mm. you you read these and you have a great time (laughs) Ugh, I love that so much. So yeah, what's your last pick that you're bringing to us? My last pick is um, Witches by Brenda Lozano, translated by Heather Cleary. It sounds like it's going to be a horror novel, especially coming after a recommendation like <laughs> The Honeys, but it's not. <laughs> okay. um, it is a book about two women in Mexico. Um, one is a healer and one is a journalist. Mm. Um, The book opens with the healer's mentor being killed. And then a journalist comes to try to tell the story of the healer and also the murder. And what it's really about is the way that their lives intertwine. They've 
both the healer and the journalist, both have sisters who have been attacked, both have had challenging relationships with their father, both are given this power. The healer um, is in a male-dominated healing space, and the journalist has been told, as a woman, she shouldn't be a journalist, and she's constantly been run off. So Mm. both have this power that they've accumulated that society doesn't want them to have and struggles to accept, and yet they reach for their power on their own terms. Mm. It's just this really thoughtful look at power, at agency, set in another culture um, that I think should be more represented in literature. Mm. It's, it's so phenomenal. It's so interesting. I love witch stuff. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Madeline Miller a couple of years ago, who, of course, wrote Circe. And I forget how exactly I asked the question, but, oh, I think I asked her if she considers herself to be witchy. And she said essentially like any, especially woman, but any person who's sort of like pushing against societal norms by her definition fits into the idea of witchiness. And I just really love that. I love that too. And if you love that, you would definitely love this book. That okay. is one of the big themes of this book. Awesome. Ooh, I'm excited. MJ, you're a delight. This was so much fun. Thank you. It really was. Thank you for having me again. It's always a joy. And yeah, here's to reading fewer, more fun books <laughs> in 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now here are a bunch more recommendations for books to savor from you. Hi, Nerdette. This is Allie from Mississippi. Honestly, a lot of my favorites are ones that I heard about on Nerdette, like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow or Our Missing Hearts. But some others that I would recommend, Siren Queen by Niveau, which is a really cool Hollywood-era monster story, and the book I Love You But I've Chosen Darkness by Claire V. Watkins, which I'm not sure I actually liked, but I thought a lot about it, and it sparked a lot of conversations with friends, so I would still recommend it. I struggle to narrow down a book recommendation to one, as I'm a librarian and I read a ton of books every year. But I'd really like to plug This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carbon. It's a book about fandom. It has a funny name, a good cover, not real long. Um, But it really talks a lot about the feminist perspective on fandom and how lots of things that women and girls like are considered silly and aren't taken seriously. I even teared up a few times. It was a great read. Hi, Nerdette. This is Kevin Stark from Cleveland, Ohio. My two favorite books of the year couldn't be more different. The first is The 90s by Chuck Klosterman, a fellow Gen Xer and a really fantastic essayist. He covers everything that I forgot about the 90s and just weaves it all together really interestingly, talking about politics, technology, culture, entertainment, and even has time for a laugh out loud rant about the 90s malt beverage Zima. Then my other pick is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Irregular Witches Witches by Sungu Mandana. The witchy world building in this book is clever, but it doesn't bog down the plot. And while there's an undercurrent of romance, it's not the main focus. Instead, this is a sweet and heartwarming story about discovering a place to belong in a loving found family. Hi, Nerdette. This is Rachel from Southern California, and I know you said to suggest one book that you loved in 2022. I have four. I'm going to go through them rapid fire style. The first one is We Deserve Monuments by Jazz Hammonds. It's uncovering a small town's racist history, family secrets, there's a badass grandma. The next one is Golden Axe by Rio Cortez. It's a poetry collection that is centered on Afro-pioneerism, Sun Ra, 
Family History, and Frasier, the TV show. Then there's Babel by R.F. Kuang, which is dark academia, critiquing dark academia. It's fantasy. And the last one is More Than Organs by Kate Ulande Barrett. It's poetry. Hi, Nerdette. This is Taylor from Virginia. My favorite book to recommend this year was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. It is the perfect blend of historical fiction and fantasy, which are two of my favorite genres, and I could not put this book down. Kay Eccleston, Anaconda, Montana. The best book I've read this year is Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. Hi, Nerdette. This is Betsy coming to you from just outside Chicago. The number one book I've been recommending for 2022 is The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Shafak. It offers a family story, a queer story, a socio-political story. It offers a story of climate change and cultural intersection. It uses two points of view, one of which is a fig tree. It's wonderful. Enjoy. Hey, Nerdette, this is Cassie from Chicago. The book that I am recommending the most this year is the same as the book that I recommended most last year, and that is The City We Became. I love everything about it. The story is so original. It's super interesting. I'm rereading it right now so that I can, as soon as it's done, start the second book in the series. So it really is the gift that keeps on giving. Thanks, Nerdette. I look forward to another year of great reads. Thanks for the show, guys. Bye. All right, that's it for this week. Next week, we will be back with the best TV of the year, and we would love to hear what some of the most bingeable shows were for you in 2022. You know the drill. Record yourself on your smartphone and then email the file to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to chime in on a books chat, we would love to hear from you. You can do that in our Facebook group. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash HQ. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman, along with Sam Deer. And our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. We will see you next week. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so... No one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.